A reading from the book of John, chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who'd reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. I want to applaud you today for joining us here at Grace Community Church on Easter Sunday because of either your love for God or because you are searching for something more, perhaps something in your life spiritually, and you felt like today was a great day to check that out. Or maybe you're here just because there was a little bit of bribery or guilt going on from mom or someone else. But for any reason, I'm so glad you're here this morning. And I hope that this time today really speaks to your heart. But I applaud you today because in our country today, um, more and more people have stopped pursuing God. They've stopped looking. They've stopped searching for God. You know, when my dad was growing up as a child in the 1950s, um, over 90% of people in the America back in that time would gladly say, I am a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. But today, just two generations later, um, that percentage is down to like 70% in this country. And every year, that number continues to drop a little bit more and a little bit more. And what's interesting about that is, as I was reading about it, I came, came to find out it's not because people are turning to atheism or they're turning to other religions. In fact, there's a growing category in our country today, I don't know if you've heard about this, called the nuns. 
And the reason this category of people are called the nuns is because when these surveys and these polls keep happening and they ask for a religious preference, people just check none. They don't check that they're a Christian. They don't check that they're agnostic or an atheist. They just put none. Why? Because they're not interested in faith. They don't even really care. But you know, there was a time in Christian history, a time when the, in the history of the, maybe like especially 2,000 years ago, when Christian faith was absolutely irresistible. It was so relevant, so meaningful to people in their lives that they would sacrifice everything. When the church was born, like 2,000 years ago, people chose to be Christian even though it likely meant that they would die for what they believed. Yet they chose it anyway. It was that compelling. And there are other parts of the world today where people by the millions are still accepting Christ as their Savior and they're having this faith from every different kind of walk of life. So you have to ask, are we losing track here in America of the essence of Christ's message and the clutter of other things that people say that you have to think or believe or say or do in order to be a Christian? What is it, guys, about Jesus that is so compelling that he, he, he literally turned the world upside down some 2,000 years ago? causing people by the thousands to believe in him when he said he was God. And over time, to cause them to completely change their priorities in life. To even be willing to give up their lives gladly for him. What is the essential message of Christianity? I mean, think about this for a moment. If someone were to ask you tomorrow, what does it mean to be a Christian? What would you say? What would be the things that you would say that you need to believe or, or do in, in order to be a follower of Jesus? What does your list look like? Maybe it's that you have to believe a certain way about the Bible or, or science. Or maybe you have to have certain political views. Or you have to behave a certain way, right? We all have these ideas in our minds of what faith looks like. But I want to share with you this morning that Jesus' answer to that question is surprisingly simple. In fact, the message of Easter is the answer to that question. What Jesus said and what he proved to a doubting world that he could do back in that time was unheard of. It was a simple message, yet it was unlike anything that anyone before had ever imagined that could be true. It was that appealing. Because it was the only thing that people truly longed for or valued. And it's to, even today, it's valued and longed for by people all over the planet, no matter how they're raised. And it has been all throughout history. You know what that message is? It's love. Jesus' message was that God loved the, uh, so much that even in the sin and brokenness of our world, He came to show us unconditional love. To, to demonstrate that love to us by laying down his life for us. And in case we had any doubt that he was God, he raised himself from the dead on Easter morning. That act of love has inspired billions to love God and to love others and to even lay down their lives for others. You know, people these days think being a Christian is about a lot of things. But think about this for a minute. What if 
Love is it. What if that's all that really matters in this life? What if it's been God's motivation all along and his reason for, reason for even putting us here on this earth? What if that's what he has put us here to learn? What if life is all about simply learning how to love? How to love God and how to love others? What if life's all about learning how to receive the love of God and learning how to give it to others in return? You know, there was a man who lived around the time of Jesus, and his life was radically transformed, as many were, by the encounters he had with Christ's love. So much so that he wrote five books that are in the Bible today talking about that love. His name was John, and his story in itself is pretty inspiring. I mean, the fact that this man could feel love for other people, despite all the hatred and violence that was going on in his culture at the time... It's amazing. I mean, imagine being a follower of Christ and seeing all of your friends killed for their faith and still having this unconditional love for everyone. I mean, where does that even come from? His understanding of love completely changed his life. And it also changed the lives of many people around him. He wrote this, for example, in 1 John chapter 3. Listen to what he says. He says, This is the message you've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. John gives the rest of his life helping the world see and understand this message. This wasn't John's idea. This wasn't even Jesus' idea. This wasn't a new concept even introduced with Jesus. He's saying here, he's saying, guys, this has been the central message that God has been saying to us from the very beginning. But that message had gotten cluttered up, you see, and lost by the time of Jesus. And so Jesus is making it very, very clear again. And people were responding in incredible ways. I mean, it's hard for us to imagine this today because we're so used to talking about love and a God of love. But think about it. 2,000 years ago, people didn't think this way. I mean, when people served and followed gods back in those days, in the time of Jesus, those gods didn't love you. They didn't care, they could care less about you. I mean, God's like in, in Greece with, uh, with Zeus and with, in, in Rome with Jupiter and in Egypt with the, with the gods that they serve and the Caesars in Rome. None of these people, none of these gods could care less. And so when Jesus starts walking around saying, God loves you, they're like, what? What do you mean? That doesn't make any sense. How could God love me. It was a revolutionary concept. John says that people who don't get this love thing, they're really dead inside. But those who do live this way, as Christ has shown us, they found God, he says, and they have passed from death to life. Real love, as God told us about and as Jesus showed us, is irresistible. Down in your gut, I think you would agree with me. We just know that life is supposed to be lived that way, right? That love is really the answer. And I'm not just talking about a love that's romantic, you know, with flowers and cards and all that stuff. But a kind of love like God expresses to us and that he wants us to express to others. 
You know, over the last several weeks here at Grace, we've been going through a series of messages called Love Expressed. And we've been talking about what does God's love look like? How does He express love to us? And how are we to express God's love through us to others? If you've missed those messages, you can go online to mygrace.church and listen to some of those. But we've been kind of learning that love is more than just an emotion or a feeling. It's something far deeper than that. There are a lot of people who choose to live in other ways. They choose to live lives of hate or live lives focused on themselves and getting ahead. But instinctively, we just know that that's not right. Right? I mean, God didn't design us that way. And that's not the clear example that God gave us through Christ. Look at verse 16 of this writing that John did in chapter 3. He says this. He says, We know what real love is. How? Because Jesus gave up his life for us. There it is in black and white. Or blue and white, if you want to put it that way. Love is more than just an emotion. It's about more than romance or attraction. It's about giving up your life. It's about laying down your life for others. That's what God says love is. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says it perfectly. It says, but God showed his great love for us. How? By sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Knowing that we would miss it. Knowing that we would mess it up. Knowing that we would be incapable of saving ourselves because of our own brokenness and sin that was separating us from God. God always had a plan of coming himself to to earth as, as one of us. To be the example for us of what love is to look like. And then to show us the ultimate expression of that love by laying down his life. Easter is all about God's love for humanity. You see, the cross wasn't a a glitch in God's plan. That was his plan. All along. So we could be forgiven. So that we could be freed from sin, as John 3.16 talks about. And so that we could believe and accept what he's already done for us. Listen, when Jesus died on a cross some 2,000 years ago, and Roman centurions verified that he was dead, when Joseph of Arimathea and a guy by the name of Nicodemus asked for Jesus' body and wrapped it in a shroud and buried it in a tomb on that Good Friday. There were no Jesus followers around back in that day. Not at that time. Not that day. There were no Christians to speak of anywhere. No one would dare claim such a thing. No one believed that Jesus was the Son of God because, well, he was dead. Right? God's not supposed to to die. His message... His message of love was compelling, sure, but, I mean, if he was really God, then how could he have died? So many of them thought, why trust a message and die myself to keep a dead man's dream alive? Jesus claimed to be the resurrection and the life, but hope died that day when Jesus died. On Easter morning, no one was hanging around waiting or expecting for the tomb to pop open. It wasn't like there was a line of people with their watches like, okay, 10, 9, you know, there there wasn't. No one was expecting Jesus to come back to life. 
No one was waiting at a tomb for something spectacular to happen because they knew he was dead. And so when a couple of women go to the tomb early Easter morning, they're not going to check and see if he's come back to life. They're just going to wrap his body and prepare it for burial. Evidently, they figured that these two guys who tried to take care of it Friday night probably botched the job and they needed to go and fix it and do it right. You know, whatever reason. But they're there and they're, they get there and they see the tomb is open and the body's gone. And what is their first reaction? As we heard a little bit earlier. It was, who would be so brass as to steal his body? Right? That was their response in that moment. But everything changed that Easter morning when those women saw angels appear in front of them. And then Jesus showed up, not just to a handful of people, but to hundreds of people over a period of many, many days after that. Letting them see him, touch his hands and feet, and know that he was alive. You know, I love what author N.T. Wright says. He's an author and a theologian. He's also an Anglican bishop. And this is what he had to say. He said, the message of the resurrection is that this world matters. That the injustices and pains of this present world must now be addressed with the news that healing, justice, and love have won. Easter means that in a world where injustice and violence and degradation are endemic, that God is not prepared to tolerate such things and that we will work and plan with all the energy of God to implement victory of Jesus over them all. Don't miss that. I mean, look again what John said in verse 16. He said, We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. And then notice the second part. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now, you might see that and think, Well, Dave, what does that mean? I mean, there's nobody trying to crucify me. There's no crosses around that someone's trying to hang me on. So how am I going to give up my life for other people? You know, there have been times in history, and there have been even times in recent history here in America, where people have given up their lives out of love. I heard this story not too long ago about a man in San Bernardino in 2015. His name was Shannon Johnson. He went into work just as he did every other day, Christian man, and he was working in his cubby when some gunmen came in and started shooting. His first reaction was to look around and he saw a young woman who was a co-worker right next to him. His first reaction was to grab her, throw her on the ground, and cover her with his body while he said, I got you. I've got you. And bullets went through his body and he died. Uh, just before Christmas, I told many of you who were here the story of a guy by the name of John Chow who was a missionary from America to a, the Sentinelese people and it was a little island off the coast of India very remote and one of the most primitive and dangerous places in the world today but he just felt compelled by the love of God to give his life to love these people and to serve them and to help them come to know the love of Christ and the day before he died by, at their hand he was killed in November he wrote this in his journal. He said, It's worth it to declare Jesus to these people. Please do not be angry at them or at God if I get killed. It's amazing, right? But that's headline kind of stuff. I mean, that's not the kind of stuff that you and I typically will run into in our own lives. So what does John mean when he says, Give up your life for others? 
Well, look at verse 17. Here on the screen, it should be up there. It says, If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. John says that such sacrificial acts of love, showing compassion, serving each other when we see needs around us, that that's what laying down our lives look like each and every day. Jesus told people, you will know, people will know that you are followers of mine, how? And how you love each other. That's it. That's the message that God has been trying to drill into our heads from the very beginning. What if this whole thing that we're going through on earth now is simply about love? You know, I like what one Tennessee pastor recently said about this. He wrote a book I like called Jesus Swagger. And this is what he had to say. He said, love is God's most powerful weapon. In love, things can be conquered. And then he said, it's amazing how a single act of love can transform someone from the inside out. Even in your life, one single act of love could be the tipping point to someone knowing the truth of Christ. And then he said, Jesus didn't die an extravagant death so that we could live mediocre and comfortable lives. Yet if everyone who claimed to love Jesus actually did, this world would be pretty close to paradise. And you know what? I have to think he's right. Today, we celebrate all that Christ has done for us. God's love expressed to us through Christ is the reason that we are here today. It's the reason for Easter. And it's what inspires each one of us to choose to lay down our lives for other people each and every day. Listen, life is our chance to learn how to love well. In the book of Galatians, it says the very thing. It says that. It says, all that matters, all that matters is your faith that makes you love others. Maybe you're here today and you're one of those who gave up on faith a long time ago. Or maybe you've lost interest in faith altogether. You've wondered if faith really matters and why so many people care and and love God so much. Well, it's pretty simple. It's love. Radically loving God and others because that's what God has done and is doing in us. If you would like to learn more about this simple message of Christianity as it was given by Jesus some 2,000 years ago, This message that's changed John's life and and so many others for the last 2,000 years. I'd encourage you to join us starting next week. We're going to start a brand new series of messages called Decluttering Christianity. Because what I'm finding is here in America today, there's a lot of add-ons to Christianity. There's a lot of things that we have added on to the faith that have kind of cluttered it up. And it's made it less irresistible than it once was. And I think it's time that we remove the clutter And we get back to the essential message that Jesus gave some 2,000 years ago. This message that caused people to go give their lives. And to see why that message is so compelling. 
I'd also encourage you, if you have questions about faith, if you have questions that you would love to explore a little bit further, that you would join us, as Sue was mentioning earlier, at Alpha. when it, uh, We have our preview uh, night this Wednesday night at 5.30 at Roadrunner Coffee. Uh, that's at the corner of Linda Vista and Thornydale. We'd love to have you join us. We'll, we'll feed you dinner. You can feel free to hang out as long as you want. Find out a little bit more about what will be happening on Wednesday nights from that point on. And see why it's made such a difference in people's lives. You know, when you come, it's not like we're gonna, you're going to come and then we're going to go bring you to a class and tell you all the things that you're supposed to believe and we're going to fix all your, you know, your misconceptions. That's not what Alpha is at all. Alpha is about us just coming with our own questions, our own assumptions, our own uh, con- concerns, our own apprehensiveness about faith and allowing us to discuss that with other people to decide if faith is really real then why it matters. Let me ask you a favor. If you, any of you in this room have ever been impacted by the life, by the ministry of Alpha because you've attended one, would you mind just standing for just a quick moment? Wow. Look around the room. Isn't that amazing? All these people's lives have been touched, thank you, by just showing up at an Alpha and coming with their own questions and realizing, Wow. There perhaps is more to faith than what I first realized. So join us Wednesday night. We would love to have you there. You know, here at Grace, we think that Christ's message of love and the way he demonstrated it to the world by giving his life, it's a pretty irresistible message. I happen to think that anyone who can predict his own death and resurrection and then manage to pull it off is someone worth listening to. I don't know about you. And when Jesus said that loving each other as he has loved us is the hallmark of what this faith is all about, I think that's pretty powerful, don't you? It just makes sense. So what if life is just simply learning about how to love? Learning how to love God and love others. How might that change you? How might that impact your life and make you a better person? Would you pray with me? Lord, I just want to thank you for this opportunity today to share with all these people who have come out today in this service and in the other services today. Lord, we thank you that um, as we gather here today and we enjoy some good food and good music, Lord, that we can also recognize that and understand that you are alive. And not only that you are alive, but that you are in you are intensely in love with us. Lord, that whole concept still doesn't make sense to some of us sometimes. When we see a world filled with hate and anger and violence, just as Sri Lankan believers saw this morning, just going to church on a Sunday morning, Easter Sunday morning, Lord, our hearts break. We see the brokenness in our world and we just shake our heads. Yet you turn all this upside down with the message of the gospel, the good news, as you tell us, not only have I risen, been risen from the dead, but I have a message of love for everyone, regardless of background, beliefs, age. Lord, I pray that each one of us would be able to come to a place in our lives where we can understand that message of love and be willing to accept it for ourselves. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've never said yes to Christ, I would encourage you to pray this prayer with me in the silence of your heart and just allow God in 
to your heart. Let him know that he is welcome. Pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for bringing me here today. I thank you for helping me to come to understand a little bit more about what Easter is all about. This message of hope, this message of joy, this message of love that Pastor Dave has talked about. God, I ask that you would come into my heart even now. That you would forgive me of my sins, all the ways that I have disappointed you, broken your heart in the past. I've done things my own way. God, I ask that you would forgive me of all those things and that you would even forget them as you say you will. Lord, I ask that you would come into my heart and fill me with your spirit as I confess that you are my Savior and my Lord. Lord, I don't fully understand all that that means, but from what I do understand, Lord, I I certainly want you in my life. I want your love, your peace in my life, and I want to know you for who you truly are. So, Lord, I take this step of faith today with you and I ask that you meet me here, that you begin to change my life from the inside out and make me into the person that you have always wanted me to be. If you're here today and you have made that commitment to Christ or you're recommitting your life to Christ, with every head bowed, I, just, I would love to take a moment and connect with you eyeball to eyeball so that I can be just personally praying for you over these next several days. So if, if, you've, if you've prayed that prayer today and you've made that commitment, would you just raise your hand real quickly and let me see who you are? Thank you. Thank you. Lord, I pray for those who are, thank you. I pray for those who are making that commitment even now today. God, I ask that you would just start to revolutionize their lives. Help them to understand this love that is almost too, too difficult to understand that you would love us the way you do. Lord, help us to come to understand that fully and to embrace it and to live it each and every day of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.